Hello, this is Shoshana Pupko with the Ava Torah Women's Parshat Shavua Discussion Group with Parshat Shemot. This parsha is packed with content, and for the sake of time, I'll offer a brief summary knowing that it falls short in capturing all the details. We begin the parsha with Paru's enslavement of the Jewish people and the heroic actions of Shifra and Pua who secretly saved the Jewish babies. After being placed in a basket on the river by his mother and watched by his sister, Moshe is rescued by the daughter of Paro, who raised him in the palace. As a young man, Moshe left the palace and saw firsthand the hardship the Jewish people were enduring. On one day, Moshe killed an Egyptian who was beating up a Jew, and on another day, he intervened in a fight between two Jews. After learning that his life may be in danger for having killed the Egyptian, Moshe ran to Midian, where he rescued Yitro's daughters, and as all good love stories end, he married Tzipporah, one of these daughters. One day, while shepherding his father-in-law's sheep, Moshe came across the burning bush, and it was here that he first encountered God. God informed Moshe of his chosen role to lead the Jewish people out of Egypt, and after resisting a number of times, Moshe reluctantly took the job. The Parsha ends with Moshe and Aro's encounters with Paro, which prompted Paro to harshen the working conditions. There is a lot to talk about in this Parsha. With Rabbi Sachs's insight, let's learn in greater detail about the encounter that took place between God and Moshe at the burning bush. And before we look at the text, I'd like to frame our discussion with some words of introduction. I don't think I sound like an alarmist or a sensationalist in saying that we live in a period of frightening rhetoric. And I'm, I'm not just talking about politics, where it's almost the accepted norm. I'm talking about any area where the discourse is infused with an almost arrogant certainty, with sarcasm and cynicism, with short biting comments or sweeping generalizations where the conversation doesn't seem like much of a dialogue, but more of a monologue. And this type of talk wasn't created by, but certainly has been accelerated by social media, a platform through which you don't have to face another human being when you talk to them or about them. And when faced with this type of reality, our inclination to balance the playing field may lead us to the opposite extreme. We may hear our inner voice telling us to stay quiet, better not to comment or express an opinion. Don't get involved. Go the safer, potentially more peaceful route. But the conversation between Moshe and God at the burning bush teaches us that our directive is to avoid both extremes. Our mandate is to find a balance, to do what's often quite difficult, to figure out what to say and how to say it. And let's be clear about one more point. The Torah does go to the extreme in condemning hurtful and derogatory speech. And the rabbis often use what they call lashon saginahor, euphemistic language, to avoid dialect that some may find offensive. But Judaism does not at all encourage, nor does it tolerate, silencing dissenting views. In fact, Argument and listening to contrary views is an essential component of religious life. And the most impactful examples in Tanakh involve God 
engaging in a dispute with human beings. Now, let's look at the argument between Moshe and God at the burning bush. God pleads with Moshe to lead the Jewish people, and four times Moshe resists. He begins by saying, Who am I to go to Paro? And when I confront the Jewish people and they ask me, Who is this God for whom you speak? What can I possibly even answer them? And I'm not sure it even matters what I say because they aren't going to believe or trust me. And as a last plea, Moshe says to God, Be Adonai, please, I'm begging you. Lo ish I'm not a man of words. My strength is not my verbal presentation. In fact, it's quite cumbersome. And I wonder if we take it for granted that Moshe can argue with God this boldly. Perhaps we take this kind of dialogue for granted because we saw it before. Moshe wasn't the first to challenge God. He had precedent. Avraham, upon hearing God's plan to destroy Sodom, said, It's inconceivable for you, God, to do something like this. And long after Moshe, we have the Navi Yirmiya challenge God, asking, You God are righteous, and as such, why is it that the wicked succeed? Why is it that the faithless live at ease? And after Yirmiya, we have Chabakuk, one of the Treasar, the 12 minor prophets, who asked, Why do you, God, remain silent as the wicked dominate the righteous? And of course, we have the book of Eov, which is filled with challenges to divine justice. God doesn't shy away from having tough conversations with human beings. And I think it behooves us to ask why. Why does God permit this type of dialogue? After all, we are human beings arguing with the divine. Some may say that God is simply modeling behaviors that we should learn from and adopt among ourselves. But I think there is something even more significant here to learn. In Pirkei we learn an incredibly important principle. We read, Any argument for the sake of heaven will endure. And those which are not for the sake of heaven will not endure. And it's strange that the arguments that are sanctioned or approved by God, those that are l'shem shamayim, those will prevail. One would think that these arguments would get resolved and no longer be discussed or debated. But I believe that the Mishnah is teaching us that an argument for the sake of heaven does in one sense become resolved. In practice, in Jewish law, only one opinion is adopted. But the opinion which isn't implemented in practice still has what to teach us. An argument, l'shem shamayim, is one where both sides offer legitimate perspectives, even when only one will be applied in practice. And taking this insight back to our Parsha, Moshe had good reasons for not wanting to lead the Jewish people. And some of his arguments haunted him throughout his leadership. And God, too, had good reasons for Moshe to lead the Jewish people even with those challenges. 
And there are two other facets that I'll share briefly, which deepen our understanding of the permissibility to talk with God in the ways that our ancestors did. The first is recognizing that this type of dialogue can only take place within the context of a covenantal relationship, a relationship where both parties are committed to one another, in the words of Rav Salvechik, an absolute commitment. Because in this context, arguments reflect a desire to refine, to improve, and to reach deeper clarity and connection. In Elie Wiesel's book, The Trial of God, a group of Jews in Auschwitz put God on trial for the atrocities they witnessed. And Elie Wiesel, in one of his biographical writings, wrote that while they put God on trial by day, they prayed to him at night. The challenges to God were expressed from within their covenantal relationship. The second point is recognizing that when arguing amongst each other, we must do our best to acknowledge that any human perspective is rarely reflective of the whole truth. Quoting from Rabbi Sachs, only God can see the totality of truth. For us, mere mortals who can see only fragments of the truth at any one time, there is an irreducible multiplicity of perspectives. The different voices of priest and prophet, Hillel and Shammai, philosopher and mystic, historian and poet, each capture something different and essential about the spiritual life. The Torah is a conversation scored for many voices. I recently heard a profound phrase from Brene Brown who said, strong back, soft front. Strong back, soft front. Her encouragement being to develop within yourself a strong back of your values, commitments, and priorities. And when dialoguing with others, do so from that place, but with a soft front. A front that is permeable, open, and compassionate. And if we can cultivate this type of dialogue, then our disagreements can earn the divine description of machloke l'shem shamayim sofa lihitkayim, an argument for the sake of heaven worthy of being sustained.